0: is mind-blowing and
2: heartbreaking
0: how many original scripts are written every year but are never made
3: so we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and
0: professional actors check us out at undiscovered scripts movies made of paper wherever you get your podcasts free
4: what's up everybody this is brian here to tell you about our podcast binge town tv
2: horror movie night this week we are talking about a movie that kyle picked the red queen kills seven times and i'm gonna be totally honest i could not for the life of me find a dubbed version of this <laughs> it wasn't on tubi it wasn't on shutter which look i'm not against reading but Every time I look down to start writing a note, I'd be like, "I hope they're not saying anything
5: important." <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly not a factor I considered, which I should have. But I no, it's all right. Have I have an Arrow Blu-ray of it, and I was like, "Oh, that means that Shutter has one, or like, like somebody has, whoever's streaming it has a dubbed version of it." Not realizing that both Shutter and Tubi, our two <laughs> favorites, did not help us out in this way. Uh, so I, you know, Matt, you texted me. And at one point in time, I turned off the English dub and was just like, I'm going to stand in solidarity with Matt and watch the Italian version with English subtitles for 20 minutes. Uh, And then I stopped and then I (laughs) changed it. So you just know that I care enough that much Uh, a little bit.
2: The other the other thing that I actually thought was wild was that. For about 10 minutes, I was like, man, this dubbing is bad. I can barely even understand them. Because any time in the history of the world that I've put on a film that's not in English, usually the app is like, this guy doesn't normally watch stuff not in English. Let's pop those subtitles on there, but not Tubi. So, so I'm just sitting there, I'm like, why can't I understand anything these people are saying? Yeah. And then I turn yeah. on the subtitles and was like that that would be it. That would be the reasoning.
5: <laughs> Tube, Tubi's a cruel bitch, and I keep crawling back.
3: The thing is, is that do we really crawl back, or do we just know what would make good content? Because I don't, like, I don't actually go to Tubi. Well, okay, so one of us may go to Tubi, And be like, "Mm, I really, I got a hankering for something on Tubi. And for me, and probably Matt, Matt, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think who's
0: the
2: one that we did a Patreon episode about their watch list on Tubi.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I have, I have a certain uh, number of interests, and Tubi just happens to (laughs) fill a lot of that. I like that you're Um, basically
2: just the lamest Liam Neeson
5: from. Taking, you know, like, I have a certain amount of things <laughs> that I really like to do or whatever the line is. And one of them is spend two hours watching an hour and a half movie because of ads <laughs> yeah. on Tubi. Yeah.
2: I don't know who um, you are or where you are, but I have a very specific set of streaming sites. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: I have a very specific list of things on Tubi to watch. And you're not on them. You know, I, uh, I do
3: like, I gotta say, I, I love the fact that Matt is sitting there thinking that streaming services are smart enough to know when he likes to have subtitles because they don't work that way, buddy. You turn them on and they're there. You may not if, notice them sometimes,
2: but once you turn them on, they're on until you turn them off.
5: I didn't wanna I didn't want to ruin the Santa Claus effect that's that Matt had thought <laughs> he had with streaming services. For
2: me, there's also the logic that like I just always have subtitles on everything else, so I don't even factor it in as a, yeah. as a question.
3: Same here. The only TV. time the subtitles <laughs> get turned off is when my wife decides that we're gonna watch something together on a streaming service that I use for horror movie night. How dare, how dare she? How dare she want to spend time with her husband? That's what happened to me. My wife turned off my TV <laughs> subtitles. So that's going uh, to tie wanna... in perfectly to my uh what did we watch? So
5: great. <laughs> I want to get this out of the way up front. Um I don't ha- I don't have a beer for today, but it is my first giallo pick and I don't know how many giallo picks have been on the show. Uh so I just have to commemorate this moment. With a little bit of JB, J-B. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit. There's no nips. Uh, oh, 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 oh no! It like I didn't mean it. to like for half <laughs> just a I just wanted in. the sound. The sound was there. I just wanted. The
3: sound. <laughs> well, if it makes you I feel better, I don't better, want I just, this. I just, I found these in my desk. Some Swedish fish, and they're red. Uh, and I bet that there are, there's are six in it. Fuck! I yes. ate one. Oh no! Oh, there Scott. It is.
2: But yeah, so this movie was fine. Like. I I bounce around on my feelings of Giallo, and, you know, I've been doing the big uh, re-listening to 50 episodes of Horror Movie Night to try to, like, gauge what goes into the best of for Mm -hmm. for the past year, and I literally just listened to the episode where, for Kyle's What Did I Watch, I misunderstood what he was saying at the time, (laughs) because he said, I watched... The Red Queen Kills seven times, and I was under the impression that seven different times he watched a movie called The Red Queen Queen Kills. I've and only watched
5: this movie three times. Yeah, you're like, watch I watched The about Red Queen to... Kills seven times. What you, times. you said
2: was, I watched The Red Queen Kills seven times, and now I understand what I do like about Giallo, and I'm like, man, he watched a movie he didn't like six times, but that seventh time, it unlocked it all. It's
5: lucky number seven, man. <laughs> it just
2: clicks. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we'll start there. Apparently, this movie has a very special place in your heart as a film that made you start to understand a genre that you maybe weren't so thrilled about. So let's dive into that.
5: Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, uh, as a as a horror fan, a lot of times I think, this is a generalization, but I think it's an appropriate one. Uh, our first introduction into Giallo is is Dario Argento, right? Yeah. And yeah. Dario Argento's Giallo's, are way more horror-leaning mm. in a lot of ways than uh, other ones. And I didn't understand... You know, and then I've watched other Italian horror that may have Giallo elements, and I was like, I don't get this. Like, or like, or Giallo was still a sort of a foreign phrase to me because I entered through an Italian horror section, and this one feels more like it is a italian giallo film with horror elements like there's there's sort of a supernatural a potential supernatural storyline that we're questioning or that our protagonist is questioning and um the gore and the blood is still there and relevant and um it's not that mysterious (laughs) like it's mysterious (laughs) but not like a true mystery movie and uh something just clicked with me where i was like it felt like i i saw the other entrance to where i arrived earlier on in my viewing gotcha. you know what i mean i was like oh other people get to this point of appreciating or enjoying these types of movies by entering through that door and i just I, it just clicked with me and i mean look this is probably my least favorite time that i watched it
3: <laughs> cuz you're going to have to defend it
5: yes yeah because i'm like <laughs> oh now i have to not just say that i liked it we can act we have to have to talk about it with two other people uh, who I have now forced to watch uh, this movie, <laughs> not somebody who was just happened to be in my house and we were like having a fun time. It's like no, these people were separate from me <laughs> and they had to watch it. Maybe with no du- English dubbing, Matt yes. had to, Scott. I don't know how you watched it. Oh,
3: I watched it on um, TV with no English dubbing. Okay, I didn't mind yeah, cool. That now I it feel just took real me bad. Two days to finish it. <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, but I, I also don't think that's not a it's it's not a not fun movie or not a not good movie. Uh, it's just. Per- particular Um,
2: i feel like if people did what i did which was not probably not the ideal way to do it but i realized i'm gonna have a rough time with this subtitles so i'm gonna read the wiki page page plot summary in its entirety first and then watch it it was very easy to follow the beats because it was like if i looked away i'm still like okay i got it this is this person this is like what it's playing towards and obviously i ruined the quote unquote twist but it's also like a murder mystery from 1972 when there's only about three different twists that it could have possibly been anyway correct so correct it's not like i was like oh it's it was the devil like you know like it's like okay it's it's her
5: sister. Got it. It's funny that you spoiled <laughs> it for yourself because I forgot again <laughs> until maybe the last 15 minutes what had happened. I was I convinced myself that it was one person and fooled myself again. The Red Queen got me for a third time. Um, the Red Queen... But it, Fools, Kyle, three times. Three Three times. times. I think that there's something interesting worth bringing up about
2: what you're saying, though, with Giallo, because I think of something that Jonathan said on a very early episode of Geekscape, where, you know, he he said, like, if you're into geeky stuff, there's only a finite amount of hours and time that you can dedicate to being obsessed about a certain thing. So, like, someone might be crazy knowledgeable about like music and comic books but clueless with video games cuz like that's right. not what they care about and so on and so forth. And horror is such an expansive genre of subgenres that I think for a lot of people that becomes the same situation where, you know, Tom from the Facebook group is obviously someone who leans really hard into the giallo mm-hmm. stuff, so he's super knowledgeable about that um miguel from horrible imaginings leans real hard into like kaiju and hammer films like that is his bread and butter scott and i both really lean hard into like slasher films and then you know scott's into into some stuff i'm into some stuff where it's like Mm -hmm. i really like the big ass monster movies you take me you you take a a normal size alligator and now he's a gigantic (laughs) size alligator I don't care how shitty it is, I'll put it on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it watch way it more sooner than I'll watch
5: this. You're yeah.
2: saying you're saying mega croc?
5: Yeah. Did, you, did you say I'm sorry? Did you say
2: mega? Yeah. Are you <laughs> wait, hold on a second. You're telling me that there's a mega python and a Crocosaurus Rex and they're gonna fight it out? <laughs> like, another thing that I noticed watching this movie, like you mentioned it too. You do get some of those stellar kills, man. That girl's head oh, impaling hell yeah. on that fence, that was that, I mean that made the whole movie worth watching to me. Yeah. Was that scene?
3: Yeah, and I I want to say I didn't hate my watch. Like I no. I know
2: I messaged you guys
3: like I don't specifically enjoy giallo. I get it. Like I've always yeah. gotten it. And I'm I'm not talking down to anyone, especially you Kyle. I'm I'm like no, I've no, already no. always understood like the point of it but it's just not my thing it's just it's just not my thing so like i but i can appreciate it and i appreciated this movie it wasn't a difficult watch even with the subtitles and i there was stuff for me to love in it like i thought that the cinematography was actually quite good um it was shaky cam before shaky cam you know like there was a lot of stuff that was very i mean 1972 73 whenever it came out um you know shaky cam yeah people you know scream about that being a thing that happened in the late 90s early 2000s no you know like it's it was it was happening way way before then and and uh i love the color scheme i love the the i love the the character design for the red queen um my only gripe would be i and i knew that it wasn't going to be supernatural but if it was supernatural this movie would have just gotten like a whole extra star for me
5: yeah yeah, no, I, wish they, I, I wish they leaned a little bit more into that, too. Like I was like, I love I mean, they did so much fucking like so much blatant exposition up front about a legend that I'm like, OK, like and there's only one scene that it feels like it's potentially supernatural and it's not the dream sequence. It's pr- like immediately prior to that. There is a moment where she's in the castle and she sees the Red Queen pass by and you're like, come on, like we should be doing that like three more times, (laughs) you know, like let me really think that this legend has somehow come back. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think I I think that's why I I picked it. I wanted to explore because I'm still exploring this this genre and this um, era and this time frame or whatever. Um, But I knew that this would be a good one foot in one foot out for a mm-hmm. horror movie. Night. Yeah. I thought yeah. it would be like fun enough. And, um, there are uh, some yeah. great yeah.
3: lines in this movie, like the great hilarious lines. lines. Some
5: great kills. Yeah. It's, it's, and they're always just dropped in there and they're always, almost, they almost always seem transitionally like <laughs> in a scene. When the, I, yeah. when I just Go saw the words, are, my fate, like
2: just one was like, are you up for a threesome? Was one of the ones that I saw yes. up on the screen. I'm like, what is this movie? Yeah. I I, yeah. I find that Giallo falls into the same category as something I said when we were talking about uh, the blood of the mummy's tomb with Hammer films is that I never necessarily dislike watching any of these movies at a given moment, but I don't know if I could do like multiple in a row. Yeah. I, and, and like I don't know how many I want to revisit, but like you said, Scott, like a lot of these along with the Hammer films are gorgeously shot. Like,
5: yeah. like oh, I yeah. would
2: happily just have them on in the background with no sound, just as something to have on the TV when I walk through the room, because I'm sure that whatever I walk into is either going to look like beautiful set wise. If it's like a hammer movie or it's going to just look stylistically interesting on the screen. Yeah. Now, that being said, if I muted it, <laughs> I would have missed whatever the fuck this like sexy 70s that dream
3: song music, is. That's that the entire <laughs> soundtrack is so good. The theme, the main
2: theme is is
3: legitimately awesome.
5: It's so funny because it's like I watched that movie and I'm like, oh, that song's going to be stuck in my head forever. And now that we're talking about it, <laughs> I, can't. I only watched it, it yesterday, but yeah. it's like I can't even hear it. I have to give a quick shout out to um, it's this guy, Jimmy Gonzalez, uh, who does this. He, he directed a movie called The Red Man uh, back in 2016, but he does... He's a DJ and he does cinema mixes of, he did one about video nasties where he remixed the visuals of all the video nasties to their soundtracks. Uh, and he does one for Giallo's. So he goes under the name space tunes, uh, one word with a Z at the end. And he's introduced me to a lot of this stuff, just like gave me a list of th- <laughs> things to watch by putting out those mixes. So, and he does one, I think that's all Giallo. And I, I, believe that that's where i came across the red queen initially and it was the scene where she's running down the hallway in this dream sequence in a school maybe it looks like it's a school and it's just this long shot where she's running so far away from the camera towards the camera in this red cloak cackling or apparent like visual like she looks like she's cackling as she's running that sold me on this movie completely yeah and it is it's like there's so many beautiful shots i think i want to start an instagram account that's just giallo 90s or giallo giallo I can't say it. Giallo lingerie. I want to mix those Gial- two words together. G- oh, Giallo uh, lingerie. Giallo I, uh, Gial
3: lingerie. I, I yeah. get it. I can see it, but you're right. That is a... Visually, it
5: works. You can't say it. It's a tongue twister. Because <laughs> anybody who sleeps in these fucking nighties Man, that they show in these Fran- movies Z- is Francesca? Bonkers. What's her name? Francesca, yeah. Or Francesca. Fran- whatever yeah, yeah like one. all this the shit one. like
3: we we're we sound so midwest right now even though yeah. you're east coast but <laughs> but the thing is is that i'll take it you could expand that to hammer too and there are so many hot 90s in there <laughs> like mm-hmm. and it, it's mm-hmm. so funny because Horror just fucking mares like You could, you, and like you could Na- have
5: nightmares, nightmares. Cut this out, Matt. Don't let them hear this. <laughs> no, the thing is, is you have
3: enough time between now and when this drops that you can at least sit on that at You're fine.
5: There, I feel like we watch so many, even not purposely. I don't want to go se- seeking these things out necessarily. But it's just, just if it happens, so then it, you add it. Yeah, it happens so often. I, I love when I, I did not write down
3: her name, but she's the girl who's trying to steal away. It's Sybil Danning as Lulu. Yeah, Sybil. That's yeah, Sybil Danning. Yeah, yeah. It is. Which I is even,
5: absurd.
3: Yeah, I did not even recognize her. She doesn't um, look like Sybil Danning. No, she not, look like the Sibyl, not the Sibyl- yet. No. Yeah, yeah. I give her ten years. The thing is, is that she she's like. Naked, she finds herself, or you find her naked, reclining on w- Walter—I don't know whatever his name is—his um, his sofa and it's amazingly painted like sex oh, den yeah. That scene is, is ridiculous, incredible. Amazing. It's it's so good, and that's not a set. They literally just filmed it in an apartment in 1972. Yeah, yeah. that was for rent. Yeah, yeah. They, they <laughs> so was she because she says, "I know some special tricks. Even the police know I'm an incredible nymphomaniac," which. That's what I'm saying is even if there were no good deaths in it, that line alone is just perfection. It's so sleazy. It's so sleazy. And there's that whole scene where the one guy who's like a cuck because he can't get it up, I guess. um, He's like driving (laughs) with her through the whores section of the the park at night and they all have like We're white just a straight boots shot, on. well
5: lit like yeah. it's the
1: most like
5: it's the most picturesque part part of a park yeah it's
2: very it's very fitting that like kyle because we the patreon accompaniment to this is a movie that kyle picked that one and it's almost That's like why there's no us, water in
5: my drink yeah, there's he, no water in my drink because yeah, of the patreon accompaniment. He, yeah he gave us,
2: he gave us like 1972 sleaze and 2001 sleaze simultaneously, and one is way more wholesome than the other. And <laughs> but... the I,
3: I honestly think that the one that we're discussing right now is more wholesome. <laughs> yeah.
5: Listen, I just can't fight the moonlight now. Uh, enough
3: hints for the this people. Shit, man. I'm sorry. Go, go, I'm go sorry. To the cut out, and listen. Go
2: to the Patreon and listen to us talk about
5: it. So the end of the movie has this big climactic scene where our protagonist. Whose name I should remember. I don't remember Kitty, it at all. You picked this shit. <laughs> Kitty, thank you. Kitty. Kitty is locked in the mausoleum, which also has an access point to a dam. Like a personal dam as, as as we all usual. know, Giallo films all take place in luxurious mansions and in incredible locations. But however, Uh, There's this dam and mausoleum connection. The lovers, the dreamers, and me. What happens (laughs) is, what Kitty, (laughs) Kitty is down there, and it's like all 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 that I need to say is that there does not need to be this set piece where a mausoleum floods. We're already coming along to the twist of the whole story, while Kitty is trapped in the well, and I'm like. I, we don't need this whole flooded set to exist in order to do this twist at the end. Yeah. And I just was watching there. I was just sitting there watching these rats come out of the walls to, like, you know, say that the water's coming and then Kitty start freaking out, which she's been doing the whole movie. <laughs> and I don't need her, like, up to her tits, of course, in water. Yeah, that's I mean, how that's, it was going to work real. out anyway. You have, they have to get the nipples hard before they get anything to happen because that's the point. I'm just like, well, why spend the money on this part of the story when all you needed to do was twist it and not flood a mausoleum, not so, flood my basement I for this?
3: I've seen enough Argento-esque giallo I know, or Argento-esque. I know. They always horror. end up
5: in a fucking it's room that wet. costs like
3: it's, yeah. It's uh, there's so much water. I just, there's didn't I just, wa- like, I was just talking about City of the Living Dead. Like, there's so much water in that movie that doesn't Oh, need that's to be a, there.
5: that's a damp movie. Yeah. Like, that's a fucking damp yeah, movie. Yeah, there's a lot right. the
3: beyond there. I mean, pretty much yeah. all three of the, the Mother Trilogy. Especially the Motherfucker in- Trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, Inferno is, like, half underwater, which is ironic because. That's true. That's
5: um, true. No, I, no, you're right. There, there is isn't there, yeah, I Didn't you know, Argento maybe do dark a- water, too?
3: And that movie is so wet. Is that the one that takes place in a laundromat? No, it takes place on an island. It's very Lovecraftian. It's it's on it's on my Shutter Watch list
2: and on my long H M N list. It's
3: it's just is there a the...
5: movie that takes place in the laundromat? Should my
2: Bloody Valentine. No, what's the um? I know what you're talking about. It's like the, I think Robert Englund's in it, where it's like a killer laundromat machine. <laughs>
5: what Oh, that's the Mangler. Yeah, the Mangler. Oh, the Mangler. Fucking... Fuck Yo, yeah. We need. We Carly and I quote the Mangler daily. <laughs> like we, there's, there's this moment. Oh my god. Never mind. We're gonna talk about the Mangler at some point. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a pick. This is a teaser for the episode. <laughs> <before> <laughs> movie night. That will. But Carly and I quote this line all the time. Ted Levine is on the phone or or off the phone and immediately saying to the next person, he goes. There's been another accident at the laundry. And the way that he does it is this Ted Levine jaw, bottom jaw to the side talk that he does. Buffalo Bill true talk that he does. And I, I wish I, Carly does it better than I. I'll record it for that episode. All right. We don't need to talk about the mangler anymore.
1: <laughs> hey,
5: do you have an idea for a podcast, but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out we From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, we know podcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice.
0: Hi, friends. The world got you down. It is mind-blowing. And
2: heartbreaking.
0: How many original scripts are written every year but are never made?
3: So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors.
0: Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free!
2: All right, Kyle, what is your double feature with the Red Queen kills seven times?
5: It's, it's actually a movie I've talked about on our uh, What Did We Watch? And it's a movie called Madhouse. And it is also about sisters or the idea of sisters and a tormenting sister of maybe maybe dead, maybe locked away, maybe somewhere else tormenting a live sister who's trying to get their life back and just do their normal shit. And it is also put out, I believe, by Arrow. So, like Arrow has a vibe, I have a vibe. <laughs> I was about
3: to say you guys, Madhouse,
5: and yeah, Madhouse and the Red Queen kills seven times is a is a vibe. Uh, <laughs> and I think they're both maybe on Night Flight, or at least one of them is on Nightflight. Uh, both of them are on Shutter. Not a sponsor. And all, everything's but... <laughs> on Tubi. Yeah, no. uh, I mean, it's just, all, just it all lives on Tubi. Madhouse so is like... Madhouse is English, uh, so just know that. <laughs>
2: Scott, I'll let you go next because I I'm gonna probably name drop a bunch while explaining my thought process. I have two. I have one that I want to, to that, that
3: I would want to watch after Red Queen, and then I'm gonna tell you the one that altruistically I need to mention just so that I can pump up our co host. So, um I would watch Red Queen Kill seven times and then I would watch Malignant. Not because I enjoyed Malignant, but rather because it is basically a supernatural giallo and um just the ending is so absurd that it makes up for how middle of the road this movie felt for me it'd be a rough it'd be a rough double feature but you get into it, be, it more
2: in eight years when, <laughs> when yeah when, when we have yeah we'll absolutely be doing uh <laughs> that, that
3: that has to be on the show in 10 years um nine Great years time. but but the one that i wanted to mention Especially because it's Kyle's pick, which says so much about Kyle as as a as a person and his 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 vibe, is let's scare Jessica to death because they're both very wet. And Kyle made an amazing music video for a band, and I have completely lost the name of the band. You tell me.
5: It's it's an artist named Magana.
3: Magana I probably would have butchered that anyway it's a a fantastic video that is very it's not a beat by beat but it's very heavily inspired by let's scare Jessica to death
5: it's the most Kyle thing I've probably ever seen (laughs) (laughs) well well, thank you and I fucking love that movie have we have you guys talked about we talked about it on reddit horror club Okay, yeah. cool. I, I, I'm i not sure it's a, a movie for this podcast, but I do like it a it's lot. A, I it's love a that it great will pop movie, up every bro. once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I
3: think it's too good for us. <laughs> it's too good. It's 100%. too good for the movie.
2: Throughout the entire watching of this, I kept jumping to all these different ideas of what I could pick because like the, the setting of the mansion slash castle, whatever, with the paintings and everything, kind of reminded me of the Ghost of Mr. Chicken's like haunted house set at <laughs> times. excuse, right, then. Matt? Then I was just bouncing through like, I don't know, like I love like Blood and Lace. That's kind of a wild movie with an equally bizarre twist ending. And then mm-hmm. I was thinking Blood about... And la-
3: is it Blood and Lace or Blood and Black Lace? is the- Are they Well, there's the separate? two different ones. Okay. Right?
2: I don't know anything. I'm trying to remember. Tell me. Explain I think me. Blood and Lace, no. This is like a 70s exploitation film with someone with a hammer where they're beating someone with a oh, hammer. But
3: it... Oh, is that on Shudder?
2: It might be, and it's like an old man mask. It's like an old burnt man mask, but it's. Yeah, I
5: would. I'm interested. Yeah, I've I've considered (laughs) picking it it for no other reason than (laughs) it's one of those
2: movies where the ending is like the killer reveals himself in the most undramatic way possible, and then just monologues. About why they so did it's a it, Scooby like Scooby Doo episode. It's it's one hundred percent a Scooby Doo ending. Oh yes, there is
5: blood and lace. It's nineteen seventy one, and you your your boys at Scream Factory put that. <laughs> yep, one out, that's so the that's, one. Yeah. Then. That's <laughs> the one. That's
2: their vibe. Then I also considered like Bay of Blood slash Twitch of the Death Nerve, but mm. what I ended up landing on is if this is nineteen seventy two Italian sleeves, I want to put on nineteen seventy four American sleeves with Alice Sweet Alice. Uh, yeah. Which feels like a really good thematic matchup
5: there. Yeah. No, and, and also visually beautiful in a different way. In a yeah. totally different way. Like they're they're different stylistically, but they both the Venn diagram is great. You did it. That's <laughs> that's wonderful.
2: Uh, all right, so Kyle, what have you watched or read or oh. listened to that you wanna talk about?
5: Yeah. So Carly's a psychologist and during her workday she needs a little wind down, so she'll find articles and particularly BuzzFeed lists to just, like, chill the fuck out. And she came across a list, which is not a very chill list, but uh, <laughs> a list nonetheless uh, about uh, cult movie movies about cults that you may have not seen. And, of course, I mean, I, I think we've all been on these lists before where... We're like, may have not seen, we've seen everything that they've come across. Yeah, This one was done by a former or a current editor of Fangoria, uh, whose name escapes me now. So it was like, oh, okay, they got you know, it, it, the, the first one was Martha Mary Marlene another name, I forget, which is a great pick for a cult movie. But the one that we watched was a movie called Them That Follow from 2019. And it's a movie, a, it's a more of a drama thriller about a appalachian uh snake handling church small community like really tight knit community it's got olivia coleman in it it has Ooh. um it's got it's got this incredible cast and it was done by two first time directors but it's really good if if anybody knows anything it's got walton goggins as the lead preacher and Walton Goggins plays both really great comedy and really great thriller and drama. Uh, Olivia Colman's in it. Jim Gaffigan's in it in a really wonderful dramatic role. Ooh. And it's, it's a small <laughs> cast. It feels kind of, it feels regional. Like, it does feel like Appalachia. It's a slow burn. It's dramatic. It's like there's no real twists or anything. But it's like you sort of see where everything's going and you're in the dread with the characters that are going on it's really good if anybody's into religious horror or cult horror or sort of like outsider religion shit going on especially here in america it's solid it's a really it's a really solid well-made independent thriller i nice.
3: will not be watching that but i have a question for you have you guys watched the invitation yes
5: yes did yeah. you like it i liked it a lot i think that uh Catherine kutsami if i'm saying that right is a because she also did jennifer's body and she's been doing really incredible writing or direct work directing it just is is is
3: very slow burn it, it came on on shutter tv and i watched half of it maybe three quarters of it before i was like because i really wanted there to be like something to happen and And Mm -hmm. it didn't. And I was like, I turned it off, went to sleep. And um, then I just read the wiki when I woke up. Um, I feel like I probably should have seen it through to the end. Maybe I will. But
5: um, religious horror, like cult horror, it just needs to be more
3: bombastic.
5: Yeah. But I think that there's reason for you to not necessarily dig on it. But I think that the The Invitation is one of those movies that is a whole piece. You know, I think that oftentimes on in horror and maybe even on this podcast because of the particular movies that we gravitate towards which again is not a problem it's just what we dig yeah. is that there are moments that we really like and there are pieces of it that we really like and there are pieces that's the reason why people make a lot of horror movies is because they have this idea that's a major piece and then they have to
3: you fit know, everything oh out. that that's and that's I, I think that
5: something with this movie and even even with Jennifer's body and other, uh, you know, I mean, that's just specific to that filmmaker, but there are other pieces where it's like, well, this is a whole piece that like needs to exist minute for minute, start to finish. And you still might not have liked it, Scott. Like that's, you know, that's what it is. But I think that like, there are those types of movies that are like, this is a whole piece, but then there are people who like think, have that thought and each minute, doesn't matter but they're trying to make each minute matter and it's actually infuriating <laughs> it's like there's there's a pendulum swing that if you don't like land in the middle of that it's really frustrating on either end
2: well I, I think comparatively it's it I think about it sometimes in the tone of music right like let's think about music for a second you've got like certain genres where you've got these songs where it's all about the big catchy chorus or it's about like the ripper guitar solo. But then there's also this other world of, like, Sigur Ross, where it's like, oh, no, it's just about creating this 10-minute soundscape that really has no peaks or valleys. It's just this consistent hum that, like, you know, like, I don't drive around and casually listen to Segura Ross. But man, it was perfect studying music. You know what I mean? Like it was like perfect music to like put on to like create that atmospheric cum that I want it to like have a little bit of noise, but something that didn't distract. I've noticed from going to Fantastic Fest and festivals like that, you really get both sides of that, where it's like you're either going to get the movie that's just like huge moments with stuff in between to fill those pieces, or you get those movies where it's just like, kind of just there, like I will talk about something that is a very bombastic version of what we're kind of talking about where it's like you have to watch it as a whole there is no like highlight moment per se you just have to take in the whole thing but I'll yeah. go last I want to pass this to Scott Scott what did you watch read discuss or or etc
3: so I have uh, two things and one is a quick one one is a little bit longer um, and but I will try to be brief with both so I mentioned earlier on uh, Kyle said something about like a two hundred thousand dollar budget. I didn't check the budget for this movie, but a movie just came up on Shutter that seemed really interesting, and it had all five star reviews. And I was like, "Fuck this! This is this has to be good." Um, it was called A Ghost Waits. Um, okay. Have you guys heard of it?
2: Yeah.
3: It is no idea. an ultra low budget film. Um, it feels more like a stage play. It's kind of like a supernatural rom-com slash drama. And it's about... It was written by the guy who plays the main male character. Um, And it's about a guy who is kind of like a handyman fix-it guy for um, a, a rental property that people keep... Basically, a ghost keeps pushing them out of it. And he meets the ghost. He's not scared of her. And then he kind of falls in love with her. And it's all about... like. He never fit in and, and, and doesn't like people, but he likes her, and she cares for him, but um, she has this responsibility because this house is hers, and so she's supposed to haunt it. It has—it it goes on too long. It's an hour and a half. I felt like it should have been a 40-minute short, but I thought that it was—it was good. It was very good, and I, I loved— a lot about it. I would recommend anybody watch it once if you are into character studies. I'm not usually into character studies, but I really liked it because I thought that it character studies I think probably work best when they are very small scope. Um and, and I think that when you have a bigger budget, you can do more and you can have a bigger scope and then I think like you kinda lose the thread of a character study a little bit. Like That's what's just,
5: the point?
0: Yeah.
3: Point? Well I yeah. mean it's like when you have the option to spend more money i think that it's too easy to forget that a character study really is like a one act it's supposed to be a play like it really i i think of character studies as plays um that's just personal opinion i'm not saying that i know anything about it anyway i really liked it um for what it was and it wasn't perfect but i thought that it was an amazing first effort on an ultra low budget probably the lowest budget thing lowest budget full length Film I've watched in years, um, but really, really well done. Um, great actors in it, and um, I recommend it. But the other thing is a massive, massive recommendation. The best book I have read in years is Ninth House, and I am going to butcher the name of the writer. She wrote the Shadow and Bone series, which actually okay. became an, a Netflix series. She did a, it's a she she was doing YA. She did that YA stuff with Shadow and Bone, and then this is her first. Adult novel, and it's about this um, this young woman who is like an ex drug addict who gets enlisted to be the um, kind of like the the ghost police. I know that sounds really silly. It's not. It's it, it's it's done with coolness and gravitas and everything. Um, but there at at uh, Yale there are eight societies like secret societies and they all do different types of magic um one does glamours another one writes contracts that are like binding another one does um they do prognostications where they look at the intestines of of insane people and then they like can manipulate the stock market stuff like that and then the ninth house is the house that the main character works for and they are basically like they watch over the other eight houses make sure that they're not getting into trouble and not hurting anybody. So she can see ghosts but uh but other stuff is happening. It's kind of like a murder mystery but with a really cool magic system put in place. Like the world build is incredible, but the way that the author explains the magical systems is just the most effortless, amazing and it's just it's perfect. It's like the the most perfect magic system of magic i've ever read because it isn't super fantasy it's not super horror but and it's not super like harry potter but it also kind of feels familiar in all those ways but it's also the scope is relatively small um it's just on yale right now on the campus of yale and and again like it doesn't start out as like a murder mystery but it really is kind of at its core a murder mystery super super cool book i i so megan bought it on a whim, we went to Barnes and Noble, like in November of last year, like seven, eight months ago. She picked it up when she was on a, before a work trip um, last month, she burnt through it. And she was like, I really want you to read I was like, I'll read it when you get done. And I have been, I am almost done with it. And it's been five days and it's like a 400 page book. Like I am just, (laughs) I do not read like that anymore. I don't have the time, but like my guitars are gathering dust. Nothing is getting done because all I can do is just think about Reading this book, love that. Like I said, I, it's the best novel I've read in years. It's probably the best novel I've read since *Annihilation*, and the best novel I read before that was *John Dies at the End*, which was what, 10? 10, 10, 10 years ago? Long ass time ago. So I mean, like I have very refined, rarefied tastes in what is a perfect book, and at this point, *Ninth House* is a perfect book.
2: Nice. Uh, setting a high bar for me here. Um. So, so the two <laughs> things I want to talk. It's by Lee Bardugo. Yeah.
5: Uh, I live on where Carly works basically next to Yale. So we're we are oftentimes <laughs> on Yale's campus. So, Shit. You, I mean, okay, not let's that, not, not, let's not go to Matt's bones. house. Let's just go to your house. We'll, yeah, come over here. Come over here. We'll, we'll go explore. <laughs> uh,
2: so, the two things I want to talk about uh, I went and saw the Northman, oh, which yeah. was, I mean, if you're here's the thing it felt like you took all of the vibe of say a game of thrones and just consolidated it into a two hour movie where you're just following this character who is not a likable character no one is likable in this movie but i feel like that's the point is that this character from the time he was a child saw something terrible happen to his family and has been driven by nothing beyond pure hatred and revenge and you're, like, sitting there, and, like, part of you is, like, you want this guy to get his revenge, but you also kind of know, like, this isn't going to bring this person peace. Like, for 30-plus years, this is all they've been driven on, so, like, if they do get this revenge, they have nothing now. Like, it's, like, kind of one of those things, but, my God, it's so violent. It's so, like, it is It is easily the most violent film that Eggers has made so far it is also the most cast he's ever... In the first yeah. shot, there's more people than both of his previous movies combined. Just like <laughs> the king comes home and it's like 70 people in the kingdom and you're just like, this is the biggest cast he's ever worked with. But it's it's all there. Like even a bunch of people had said like, oh, it's kind of more straightforward for him. And, and that is true, but it still gets fucking wacky. Like it is wacky. It's trippy. I had a really good time. Um, if you love horses, there there might be a couple horse deaths that are on camera that are pretty. I mean, I don't think they killed real slaveheart. horses. You're gonna yeah, have trouble with the north. You know, north north know north. I was a horse girl in high school. <laughs> I knew that. it. I Please. knew it. Um, but then, speaking <laughs> Thank of you animals, for the trigger warning. <laughs> speaking of animals, for weird ass movie night, we watched a movie that I had not seen. I had purchased it at Creature Feature Weekend almost a year ago. And I was like, one day I will watch this with the, the Weird Ass Movie Night group. And that was a film called Spirit Animal. Uh, it was made for $1,000. Uh, <sighs> and it's an homage to shot on video cinema from the 90s. So they oh. collected and purchased as many old VHS cameras as they could to shoot this movie. And you can tell that, in a lot of ways, you can tell that this took them years to make, and like case in point, there are at least two people in the movie who are trans, and with one of them, you can tell that they weren't transitioning for certain scenes, but were almost done their transitioning in other scenes. And since the movie was shot out of sequence, it kind of jumps oh, no. back and forth that and wow. rules <laughs> like. So it's a little weird like that animal 2019. That's that's the one. And it is we've talked about this on the show before. where like there is this thin line where if you're intentionally making a Sharknado or you're making a bad movie, there has to be sincerity with it. And what made this movie work where so many have failed is there are no jokes in this movie. Like it is a dumb, ridiculous concept, but there is not a single point. Where they wink at the camera and acknowledge that it's a dumb movie, like they play it as straight and serious as any of those other cheapo shot on video movies are. The only noteworthy name in the entire film is that one of the characters is voiced by the actor who played the killer nerd in Killer Nerd and Bride of Killer
5: Nerd from American Splendor.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I'm gonna tell
5: you right now. You said like notable and noteworthy yeah. i'm not sure he, i don't know what he the was on mtv a little bit
2: but uh yeah. But yeah he was he was a mtv a correspondent that was, for a for a
5: bit in the late 80s early 90s that's so interesting i'm so intrigued by that
2: the gore was incredible like i was watching it for a with a my thousand friends. bucks yeah i was watching with my friend clore and uh listener of the show eli and there were parts where we're like, "How the fuck did they do this for a thousand bucks?" Like, there's some really impressive. The only thing I can think of is that it was a thousand dollars because it feels like they're all young and fresh out of college. So maybe they were just reusing props that they had from like other things that they shot in college. But like, there's some pretty cool stop motion stuff in there, and it, like it, it's a nice little homage. So if you can track down a copy of it, I do recommend it. And, uh, you know, we're running a little long, but let's go for the next email. It's kind of a short one, and it's from someone that we mentioned already, Tom.
4: Boo! He I'm said, I, he I, said I, I, uh, <laughs> sin,
2: since Matt mentioned... I feel like this was a...
3: set up because
2: Tom loves Giallo so much. <laughs> right. No, this is just the way it fell. This is an email from uh, June of 2021. He said, since Matt mentioned a possible email show not happening in response to a two-year-old email I sent in, Let me respond with a fuck you. You don't tell me what to do. Uh, I don't have a topic. So when someone asks you, uh, I don't have a topic, but here's a question. So when someone asks you, what's your favorite movie? What is your knee jerk response? It doesn't actually have to be your favorite. Just what is the first thing that pops up to your head when the question is pitched to you? Obviously, I saw this question before you guys. So I've had time to think about it. And I, I, tend to say clerks I think is yeah. usually the one that just comes to me even though it's in the top five I don't think it's my favorite but that's that's the one that comes out of my mouth the most
5: I, I think that I, I might have mentioned it before because we had another email about a, an editor who edited Blue Velvet and I had proclaimed that that was my that was sort of a knee-jerk reaction I proclaimed that Blue Velvet was my favorite movie and, and I do I, I stand by that I think that if if a if a horror fan asks me what my favorite movie is, I say *Night of the Living Dead*. If anybody asks me what my favorite movie is, I say *Blue Velvet*. And i I think they, I think that's those are honest answers. Because I, I think, think if honest. someone
2: asked I think if someone asked me my favorite horror movie, my knee jerk would say *Texas Chainsaw Massacre*. Sure, <laughs> like that's yeah. like my go to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
5: I think it, it's it's a particular type of company but i also feel like i'm only in (laughs) not for anything i'm only in like horror or non-horror company or like (laughs) not even non-horror but just like horror or not company (laughs) um and and those are my answers all
2: right scott
3: i i'm at a loss i really don't know what my all-time favorite movie is i don't even have a knee-jerk answer like I have a half sleeve. You need clarification. Yeah, I have a half sleeve Return of the Jedi tattoo. I mean, I watched that. That's pure comfort, but at the same time, like. See,
2: I I was thinking you might say, like, can't hardly wait. I feel like that's, like. I mean, can't hardly
3: wait came to mind, too, but can't hardly wait is super problematic um so, well, so I, you're I, overthinking it. it's just
4: I know me jerk
3: I, Matt how long have we been podcasting I together? know I know but friends? It's like, I only overthink
2: I know I'm gonna say that's can't hardly wait I think that that's the first thing that pops into oh, your head when no, the question's man. asked and then you start to overthink it after that well return came to
3: mind because of the tattoo yeah so I mean I, I anybody that has a can't hardly wait tattoo listening email us <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh all right. Well I'm gonna get one and don't just get, email you. Eli do not
3: get a can't hardly wait tattoo just so that we can talk about you on the show, buddy. I know that you have nothing to lose as far as your skin is concerned. You send me a fucking email about it or a text about it.
2: Alright, well, that was Red Queen Kills Seven Times as picked by Kyle. Uh we'll be back with a movie that I picked that obviously is a massive step up in uh, no shit. cinematic quality <laughs> um, so stay- you picked so stay- but Kyle cheerleaded you on yeah oh absolutely I'm like,
3: go 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 and I'm in the background like no
0: no <laughs>
2: Uh, so stay tuned for what that is Uh, send us some emails at hmnpodcast at gmail.com we'll read it on the air and make sure you rate review and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app tune in next week for even more horror movie night
0: Network. hi friends the world got you down don't be sad listen to two dollar late fee with zach and dustin
1: two dollar late fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment the 1980s we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today we also interview your favorite celebrities from that era.
0: All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFree.com. It is mind-blowing. And
2: heartbreaking.
0: How many original scripts are written every year but are never made?
3: So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and
0: professional actors. Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.